<laughs> okay. Um, well, if you, I'm gonna, I'm, I really have not been using Flocknote yet, so you should have been getting it through the mass text, but I'll try to do both and see what happens next time. But next, we have three more meetings. Hard to believe. Two weeks from now, and then twice in May, and then take a break in the summer. Uh, I don't know if anybody's new, but if you're new, the sign-up sheet's on the left as you leave, so you can get emails. And uh, Leon Pruzon's going to start us by prayer this morning. Thank you, Leon. Amen. Okay, so we've been spending time trying to think about our interior lives, and I want to talk about uh, a word this morning called watchfulness. Watchfulness. So my question is, are you, are you a good watchman for your soul? So Paul says in a number of different places, be watchful, be alert. So if you're, the, if you're like the sentry, you know, the guy who's standing up and he's looking out, for your, but you're looking out for yourself, are you a, a good watchman? If you're not a good watchman, you know, things can happen and uh, disaster can happen, small things or big things. I'm going to show a, a couple of clips here from the movie Titanic. Most of you know the story uh, this unseekable uh, ship in 1910 is traveling from New York to uh, England, trying to make the fastest voyage ever made. And, of course, it hits an iceberg and sinks. 1,500 people die. And so one of the things that um, is interesting about this, there's several things interesting about the story, is that there, there could have just been a few little things if done correctly, a few things if people had been watchful of could have avoided the whole disaster. So, so the captain, Smith, he was going too fast in this part of the ocean. Yeah, everyone knew there were icebergs out there, but he was trying to set a record. And so he was really going too fast for where he should be. And so when he came, came upon an iceberg, he couldn't maneuver because he was going too fast. So just think about all the parallels that for you. You're going so fast that when something comes up, you just don't have enough margin in your life to maneuver around it because you're, you're running so fast in your mind or in your life or in your schedule. And if you were just slow, if you just slow down, you would see them and then you'd say, okay, I can see that. I got enough time to maneuver around it or avoid it or turn around, whatever that is. Uh, most of you know that <coughs> they had a telegraph machine in the Titanic, and uh, a boat was telegraphing them, saying, "Hey, we've just been through this water. These waters. There's a lot of icebergs. Be warning." 
And they specifically sent a high alert one to the captain, and it never even reached the captain. And one of the reasons that these telegraphs didn't reach the right people is because all the wealthy people on the Titanic were telegraphing the people they were going to see, saying, hey, can you arrange things? And so these guys were telegraphing for the rich people and ignoring these warning signs. And even one of the guys told the boat that was telegraphing them to say, shut up, we don't want to hear any more about the icebergs. So just, just this one guy, if he had just said, just one of the telegraphs, there are numerous telegraphs, brought it to the captain, possibly he could have slowed down, missed the iceberg. One of the guys that was supposed to be on the crew, he had the key to a little locker that, that had the binoculars in it that were for the lookout. But he didn't make it on the ship, so they didn't have the key, so the guys at the lookout didn't have binoculars. See, just a little thing like, well, let's break it down and get the binoculars out anyway, or let, you know, whatever it is, but ah, we don't need binoculars, so you got these two lookouts, and they can't see any farther than you and me just sitting on a ship. And so they don't see it fast enough, and so they hit. So there's all these little things that if just one of these people and there's more than that, just would have been a, just a little more watchful. And we're not talking about a heroic effort. We're just talking about getting the binoculars out of the locker then they, or slowing down. Then they could have avoided this disaster of these 1,500 people. So here's Hollywood's version of, of that. See, one guy in a business, one guy in a church, one husband, if he's not watch it, watchful, can send everybody scrambling. Can sink a family, seeing it happen over and over again. Sink a church. Sink a business. So the question is just, are you watchful? And maybe it's helpful just to try to have some sense of weight of it. Sometimes you just feel like it's not, I'm not risking that much. But, you know, you don't get the binoculars out. It's not a big risk because there are other things. But it turns out that pretty heavy risk involved. And just think of the, the disaster that's caused. And, and you know this because you're either a product of it or you've seen it happen in somebody's life that you know and love. But, but a dad's failure, the business leader's failure, the church leader's failure, it, it just water floods every compartment. So are you a good watchman? So... To think about this, I want us to think about it in terms of let's know the icebergs. Let's just see what's floating out there. This is not going to be anything new. And then, then try to take some steps to avoid them, all right? So just what are the two big icebergs that shipwreck your soul? One is your flesh. First John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world, 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three big icebergs for every human being. These are the same temptations Jesus was given in the wilderness. The lust of the flesh, the the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So something that appeals to your physical need, something that appeals to your emotional need, something that appeals to your mental need, whatever that is, you just, there's something that's out there and it could be a good thing, but when a good thing becomes a God thing, then it shipwrecks your soul. So sex is a great thing, but it's great inside the context of marriage, outside of the context of marriage, you blow a hole in your, your soul. And so it, you, we just, need to, lo- we just know, need to know the world is constantly pushing images and values in front of your, your eyes that are in these three categories, the lust of the, of the flesh, the lust of your eyes, and the pride of life. It's just you turn on your television, you stand in the grocery store line, you drive down College Road and see the billboard. Whatever it is, they're always flooding into your mind, and you've got to say, that's an iceberg, and if I move too far down that road, I'm going to hit that and shipwreck my soul. First Peter 2 Nine, you are a people belonging to God that you may declare the excellencies of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So that's Peter's way of saying, this is what every person was designed to do. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, you don't know God's will, this is it right here. Whatever you're doing, you're supposed to understand you belong to God and however you live your life, you're supposed to declare the excellencies of God and you're supposed to marvel at his wonderful light. And you can do that in a million different ways. But that's what we're designed for. So he says, I urge you, live like aliens and strangers in this world. See, just don't, don't think the things of the world are so attractive because I've got my eyes on a different prize. So I, when I see the icebergs float along in this world, here comes a big pot of money. Here comes the beautiful woman. Here comes some sort of uh, thing I can take pride in and make myself look good. I'm just going to let those float on by. I'm not saying they couldn't possibly be attractive. I'm just saying I've got my eyes on a different prize. I'm in, I live in, live in a different kind of world. And abstain from these sinful desires. Why? Why? Why would you abstain? They're warring against your soul. Again, trying to emphasize the significance of what we're in for in being watchful. You and I, when you wake up, you're in a war. I mean, I'm sure I don't have to tell you this. But you're not in a game of tiddlywinks, pickup sticks. That's not the kind of thing you're in. You're in a war. And if you don't think you're in a war, then you're just you're going to be easily taken out. So you just have to have this ma- mindset that there's a lot riding on my leadership. If, if I'm not watchful, if I don't take the time to get the binoculars, if I don't take the time to, to, to slow down, I'm, I'm going to hit some of these icebergs. I'm going to blow a hole in my soul, and things are going to start shipwrecking in my life. And so I want to be careful about that. I want to abstain from these things because I know I'm in a war. Notice this, the, 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 the destructive desires are warring against 
you proclaiming the excellencies of God, you saying how wonderful he is. So if, is, if this iceberg that floats along that captures your attention is your retirement account, you just have to check on it every day. Just watch it float on by. Oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's important. I've got to keep, keep my eyes on it. And you just bump into it, blows a hole in your soul, because that's what matters to you. And again, pornography or a PhD, your car or a career, the, all these things, they just can blow a hole in your soul. If that's the thing I wake up and I'm starting to think about when I move through my day. So we've got our flesh, and then we've obviously, obviously got an enemy, Satan. He's trying to blow a hole in your soul. You can go back to Genesis 3 and see all these things, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, uh, the lust of the eyes. First Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's trying to devour Sneaks up in the high grass. You know, you don't see him until, whoa, it's too late. And I get devoured. So if you're not, if you're not alert, if, you, if you've fallen into some kind of enchantment that you're not in a war, then you're going to get devoured. Proverbs 27, 12 says this, two different ways. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. The simple go on and suffer for it. Or a different way, a sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. See, I'm a, I'm a good watchman. I'm up on the little crow's nest. I've got my binoculars. I look out ahead. I see a problem. And then I make, I make preparations to meet these problems. But a simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. So, again, my question is, just are you aware of the ways that you're tempted? Do you look out ahead and say, okay, I'm going I'm to I'm be this weekend with my old college buddies? That could be a great thing, could be a giant temptation. I'm go my wife's leaving for the weekend. I'm going to be in alone in my house for the whole weekend. That could be great be a great temptation you see just are you aware of the situations that you find yourself in that that are temp tempting there's an acronym you've heard me use hungry angry lonely tired halt if you're hungry angry lonely tired just you know hey i'm t i'm coming home tired Lot lots of things are tempting to me now or angry, or lonely, or hungry, whatever that is, just do you know yourself? Are you honest with yourself? Or do you fool yourself? Ah, it's not that big of a deal. So how to avoid these icebergs, really some of these same texts, you're supposed to abstain, you're supposed to war against them. In 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary, the devil, prowls around. So sober-minded, be watchful, resisting. Sober-minded, sober watchful, and resisting. So sober-minded. You drink too much, you don't have good reaction time. So you, you're driving at 40 miles an hour. 45, 40 miles an hour, it takes you a certain distance to stop if you're sober-minded. But under the influence, it takes you twice the distance. 
So you just your 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 mind's foggy. So again, what what makes your mind foggy? What makes it harder for you to maneuver? Just do you know that? And then do you say, "Hey, I'm moving towards a place where it's hard for me to maneuver, so I'm going to I'm going to make sure I have a friend with me. I'm going to make sure I I avoid that situation. I'm going to make sure to set something up." I mean, just are you a good watchman? Cuz see, if you're not doing it, no one else can do it. Only you can do it. You can get help, but in the end, you have to do it. Guys, so many good men come and see me in my office. And they, don't, they didn't wake up meaning to get into the situation they've gotten into. But they weren't a good watchman. And they've blown a hole in their soul, and their whole family's going down, and they're trying to figure out, can this thing get rescued or is it going to sink? And they didn't wake up one day and say, I'm trying to blow a hole in my soul. It's just they weren't a good watchman. They got going too fast. They just didn't understand themselves. They didn't take time. They lied to themselves, whatever it was. And little by little, they just ran into this iceberg that ripped a hole into them. And and their whole family is sinking. Be watchful. Peter is saying, be watchful. (laughs) Who better to say this than Peter, right? He's got firsthand experience about not being watchful and being alert. We're coming up on Easter. You know, the Garden of Gethsemane. What does Jesus say to his three best friends? I mean, he's under this enormous amount of stress, and he says, I need my three strongest guys to come with me and pray with me. What an honor. And what do all these three guys do? Man, they fall asleep. And they don't fall asleep one time. They fall asleep repeatedly, and Jesus comes back and says, Guys, be watchful. Stay awake. Why? I I need your help. My soul is under attack, and I need you to come alongside me and help a, a hole not be blown into my soul. But they can't do it, and Jesus looks and says, Look, your body, your your spirit is strong, but what? Your flesh is weak. So just in being watchful, your body is connected to watchfulness. So are you training your body? It's not just your mind, it's your body. You know this 1 Corinthians, this passage that Paul used. Paul, I'm pretty sure, likes sports. So if he had lived now, he'd love ESPN because he's always using sports analogies. So I like Paul. And he says, you, do you not know that all the runners in the race run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Well, how do you do that? Well, you go into strict training. You, you don't run aimlessly. In fact, you beat your body and you make your body your slave. And so many times, actually, we're a slave to our body. Our body says, hey, you got to go to sleep. Our body says, you got to eat. Our body says, you want this desire. It's got to be satisfied. And you answer the call every time. So your body is the master and you're the slave to it. Instead of saying, you know what, body? You can, you can stay awake right now. 
You know what, body? You can get up out of your bed right now. You know what, body? You don't have to eat that right now. You know what, body? You don't have to turn that on right now. What, what, you, you know, you've got to be the one that's pulling the levers, not the, your body pulling them. So just in terms of being watchful, do you understand how your body's affected with that? And how having a healthy body helps you be alert, be watchful. When... Um, when I was a kid, I played baseball. I really didn't like playing baseball. And I'm not really sure why, because I like sports in general. And I really liked football. And you wouldn't think I would have not liked baseball for this one reason, but this is why I didn't like baseball. I was really afraid of getting hit by the baseball. Now, you think a football player wouldn't be that concerned about hitting, by, but something about not having pads on and some kid who I didn't think could throw very accurately throwing what looked like directly at me, that made me nervous. So I was always bailing out way before, like he's in the windup, and I'm like stepping back. You know, so by the time I swing, I'm swinging over the batter's box. There was no chance old Paul Phillips was going to be, be hit by a baseball. And, and I knew it. My parents knew it. Everybody who watched me play knew it. And the other team knew it. So when I come up to the plate, what do the, all, the, all the other encouraging middle school boys say when I come up? He's a easy out. So are you an easy out? You just haven't trained your body, so really, you mean to do it. You you want to do it. You think you know what to do, but your body actually isn't trained to do it. So you're an easy out. Finally, you resist. And a couple of ways here I think that you think about resisting. Uh, one is you, you, cut off, you cut off passions. How do you resist the temptation? You, you got to just cut it off. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, if your right hand causes you to sin, what? Cut it off. It's, it's way better to enter into the kingdom of heaven without a right hand than to say, hey, I got my right hand, but you know it caused me all kinds of sin in hell. So whatever that is, you got to cut it off. That's one way to say, I'm just not going to hit these icebergs because I'm going to cut that out. I'm not going to get myself into that situation. And I know a lot of times when this, this comes up, it feels a little bit like legalism. And you go, oh, wow, he's Mr. Strict and all this kind of stuff. I, I think you're Mr. Smart Guy. Because you know yourself and you say, hey, it's great for Leon to be there. That's not a problem. But when I get into that situation, it's not good for my soul. Something happens, and so I've got to cut myself off of that. Most of you have heard about the Billy Graham rule. You've heard about the Billy Graham rule? You know, I'm not going to be alone with another woman. Now, this got a lot of play because Mike Pence did something a couple years back and all this kind of stuff. And whether you think it's a good rule or not, at least I think you can appreciate he decided, hey, if I go down, a lot goes down. So just to avoid that, I'm going to cut stuff off. And so my question just is, is there places that you just say, you know what, social media, 
I get feeds from other people, and I just either got to defriend those people, or I got to do something, whatever that is. So you, you cut it off, or I would say you, you push it, you push out the passions of your flesh by reminding yourself of your hope. So you can have sort of a cutoff, or you can say, look, I'm going to remind myself of what I need and what I value, and I'm going to let the I'm going to give energy and fuel to those things, and that's going to sort of drive out those passions. So, your uh, uh, high school freshman, Jack and uh, Nathan, you uh, start dating somebody. Sorry, you guys always get picked on, but we all remember being a high school freshman. You like this girl, she, you, she likes you for a week, and then she says, I'm done with you. And you get your little heart stomped on. If that hasn't happened, it will happen to you, I'm sorry to say. You're moping around. What's every guy in here going to say he really needs? He needs another girlfriend, right? He needs somebody else to focus his attention on so he can move away from this thing. You need another affection that causes you to shift your focus. You see, if I have an affection for things of the world, one of the ways I can do is I can cut it out, or I can just feed my affections for Jesus. And by feeding those affections, it effectively pushes out these other things because I'm around people who are reminding me, this is valuable, this is valuable, instead of always being over here saying, hey, this is valuable, this is valuable. You see how that happens? That's why somebody who gets disconnected from the body of Christ, they almost have no chance because they're going to to stand around a bunch of people who are going to say, see this iceberg, head straight for it. And you're going to blow a hole in your soul. So you've got you to feed your passions. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you in Jesus Christ, Peter says. So are you a good watchman? Do you, do you really realize what's at stake for you? Just, just you and your, if it's just you and your family. But for most of us, not just me and my family, it's me and my business, me and my community, me and my church, me and my neighborhood, me and there's a lot more at risk. And we can help each other, but you have to be the watchman. So let's get into groups of maybe three or four. We'll answer these uh, questions and then I'll close us with a prayer. Ready? Break.